This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is our View of the Opposition show. As I talk to someone who covers Fulham's opposition for the upcoming match. In this episode, I'll be once again talking to Richard Burns, who is a Manchester City supporter, a member of the Blue Moon podcast, and he's also a contributor to the EPL Roundtable podcast. He's on to give us the Manchester City perspective for this upcoming match. I spoke to Richard back in September. I'm glad that he could join us again. Richard? Welcome back to Cottage Talk. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you back on. I, I wish I could say it, it's uh, a good time for Fulham, but it's not. But obviously it's a good time for Manchester City. So let's focus a good amount on Manchester City. Let's start there. And let's take it from when the teams played the first time from where you are now. Just give me just an overview of Manchester City season. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a bit of a funny one because there was the the everything was hunky dory until around December time when a, a few results popped in that just nobody saw coming. So I'm, I'm sure you you'll remember City lost at home to Crystal Palace, which was yes. just completely out of the blue. Palace, a, a struggling team at the time. City, absolutely. I watched that match. Yeah, City going into that game on fire. Um, we've got an, a stunning record at home and we went 1-0 up in that game. And then with a, a couple of good goals, and I mean, let's have it right, the Andros Townsend goal was it's one of the best goals I've ever had the pleasure of seeing live. Forget that it was against my club. It was, you know, if you're going to be beaten by a goal, you might as well be there to see a goal like that. It was incredible. Um but City just couldn't wrestle it back. And then that became a bit of a pattern over the Christmas period because we followed that up. I mean, if we don't get beat at home, we certainly don't lose back-to-back games. But then on Boxing Day, we, we went and lost to Leicester as well, having also yep. led that game 1-0. Uh, and then a few weeks later, also lost to Newcastle. So um, four Premier League defeats already compared to the two last season um, is a surprise. Um, and probably not what we expected. Yet that said, 
we have a game in hand on Liverpool and if we win it, we'll be topped by a point. So it goes to show that it's not always, I know this sounds daft, but it's not always just about winning. Points accumulation, uh, sorry, it's not always just about not getting beat. If you substitute, um, you know, if you don't draw as many, but you win far more often than you lose, you still end up in a pretty healthy position. Liverpool, of course, have only lost one game, and that was to City, yet for having three less defeats, they, they could find themselves behind City in a, in a weekend or two weekends' time. So it's odd how it's worked out. I do think that we're a better team than we were last season, uh, but that Christmas period may yet prove damaging in the title race, but we have come out of it stronger. Our form since then across four competitions has been spectacular. So if we do end up paying for it, so be it. If we lose the league to this Liverpool team, so be it. There'll be no shame in it. But um, it was just such an out of character, a little dip in form over a few weeks that I hope doesn't cost us. Richard, I find it interesting that you're telling me right now that this team right now, not record-wise, just what you've been watching, is a better team than the team from last season. Yeah, I I fully believe that. And I've believed it for, for most of the season. I think we have... Uh, further refined the way that we play. I think our defence is better. We get even more of those sort of what look like tappings and people, you know, sometimes you hear criticisms of Jesus or even Raheem Sterling that yep. you know, they, they do well, but the goals they score are tappings when com- completely ignores the wider sort of tactical analysis of how the team plays and how those players link into that play. They're not consistently five yards out from goal with an open net by chance, because if it was that easy, every team would be doing it and every game would finish 10 all or 11-10, wouldn't it? Um, and it's the way the team have refined that performance and, and that cutting edge uh, is it's really impressive. Um, Sterling's a better player than he was last season. Sergio Aguero might now be the best he's ever been. Um, we've done it without De Bruyne, who was the talisman last season, but has spent so much of this season injured. Laporte and Stones are a phenomenal defensive partnership, but company can uh, still do it when he steps in. Um, Otamendi less so, but he's not been. Um, he's also not been terrible. Um, the only area where I think we still lack that was also a problem last season is we've still not got adequate cover for Fernandinho. And it was no coincidence that... Um, I think that, you mentioned that on the last show. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, and it's unfortunately borne out with the fact that the certainly the Palace and Leicester games uh, we lost, he was not involved in those games and we, we missed him massively. Obviously, you don't lose a game just because one player's out. Um, right. and, and City are the last team that can moan about resources. I, I wouldn't try and cry that one. But... Um, but it could be a domino effect because he yeah. affects everything that goes around him. That's it. You know, you, you take whilst, you know, I'm, I'm always acutely aware that as a City fan, moaning about squad depth <laughs> isn't really going to wash too well. But the fact remains that you take an important player out of any team and that yeah. team has to lose something because that's sure. just the nature of having great players. Um, we're just fortunate that our standings tend to be pretty good too. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we, we do miss him. Uh, we need to resolve that over the summer. Um, that's hoping that we're allowed to sign players over the summer. That's probably a subject for another day, but there's obviously all sorts of investigations going into City. I think we'll be fine to sign players over the summer Um, and they need to do some good business in that area because if we we do get a transfer ban, uh, you know, like the rest of us, Fernandinho isn't getting any younger, is he? So (laughs) we need to resolve that sooner rather than later. Sure. And based on what you've been saying to me, I think I know the answer to this because, like you said, you have – 
the match in hand. So I have a feeling you feel strongly that if you take care of business, you feel that you have the better team than last year's team, that you think that you could end the season as champions. I do. I think that, I think there's a very, very good chance of it. Um, I think since we beat Liverpool on January the 3rd, if they'd have, if they'd have beat us that night, they'd have gone 10 points clear. Uh, obviously, if they'd have drawn, they'd have remained seven points clear. And I do not for one second think that we'd have clawed back 10 points with against this Liverpool team. But the way that we beat them, um, the way that Guardiola showed that he'd finally learned how to play against Klopp, um, it was a bit of a tactical masterclass from Guardiola, in my opinion, that game. And I think that really got the momentum going again. And then we put a couple of lower league teams to the sword in the Cups. Yeah. And, of course, beating them and, and, and racking up a few goals against Burton or Rotherham in itself is yeah. no great shakes. But we did play those teams when we were out of touch. The Gabriel Jesus that scored four goals against Burton was a Gabriel Jesus that had before that, seemingly forgotten how to find the net. So Guardiola did a very good job of managing those games to get the team back into form and back into sort of that ruthless mindset. And we won't look back and say Burton or Rotherham were the turning points, but they were very well they were very well managed to make sure that the team just just got that spring back into its step, uh, which was really important. They came at very very good times for us, I think. Um, and so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do think that the way that it's managed, the way that it's bearing out, we've got a very strong chance of winning the league. Uh, but like I say, this this Liverpool team, for as much as I think City are better this season than they were last, this is a Liverpool team that finished 25 points off City last season. Um, they are almost unrecognisable. And I've yes, got the, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I've got the utmost respect for, for that improvement. And as much as I don't want them to win the league for many, many reasons, um, <laughs> they, sure. you know, they are a rival to us. Um as much as I don't want that, if they win it, I, I couldn't have any complaints because they are excellent. And with how highly I think of this City team that I get to see week in, week out, I know that if any team finishes above us, then they deserve to win the league. So, I, you know, I hope it goes our way. I'm reasonably confident, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be putting significant amounts of money on it at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, what's interesting is that I actually had Steve Horan from the Redmen TV last uh, show, last view of the opposition show, we were talking about the differences and we were really focusing on the addition of Allison and, and uh, obviously the emergence of Van Dyke being one of the best defenders in the world. And that basically has taken them over the top. So I understand why you're going in that direction when it comes to Liverpool. But I have a scratched itch and I have to do this, Richard, talking about Liverpool. I've got just a major issue and I, I just can't let this go. <laughs> because I feel Fulmer robbed the point against Liverpool because of a die from Mane. If Liverpool win by two points, do you think it's fair to look back at the Liverpool match against Fulmer Craven Cottage? I've gone through this many times. Rico, the goalkeeper, does put his hand on Mane, but he goes down like he went down. Like he yeah. just went straight down. It was a dive. I don't think anyone can tell me I'm wrong on that. I think pretty much everyone says he embellished, but there's that area that, that people go back and forth. Is, you know, And everyone says it's a penalty, and I understand why they're saying it. But, uh, again, I, I'm still angry about this. And, and if Liverpool, Liverpool, in my mind, need to win by three points, because I'll go back and I'll, I'll talk about this. And I called them on the last show, Cheetah Pool. Sorry, I did that. So <laughs> I would like your thoughts on this. Yeah, listen, it's... Um, 
I wouldn't have a huge argument with your view of the penalty. Um, I think from our point of view and, and the bearing that could have on how our battle finishes and whether we win the league or not, um, if we're honest, although we'll always be able to look back and say, look, that decision was at a very important point in the season and yeah. an important point in the game and the way that game was bearing out, obviously they'd let the lead slip and if they draw that game, then that reputation for choking leads and stuff, that all starts to be thrown back at them and it, the nerves could potentially self-perpetuate themselves. So obviously that that goal came at a very important time in a game that came at a very important time in the season. Um, so you can't understate it. I do think, though, from our point of view, um, we'd have to look a bit closer to home and say that um, I think it was the same weekend, if I remember rightly, we were very, very fortunate with our first goal against Watford. Okay. Now, it was a slightly different scenario because we were by far the better team in that game, by far. But if we don't open the scoring, then maybe we get more frustrated. Maybe somebody pulls a wonder goal out of the back. Do you think it kind of evens itself out over the course of a season, these types of situations? Largely. And and even more to that point, um, forgetting refereeing decisions, if we lose the league by two points, then I think everybody's going to look back at Riyad Mahrez's his missed penalty at Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> or um, the, the game of the nil-nil draw when true. he could have won his stop his time. That's true. That's, and, that's a good point. Yeah, Jordan Pickford's error in the in the Merseyside derby that gave them three points. Do you know there's been points where, and I, this is going to sound, um, I'm going to sound disingenuous when I say that this isn't a dig or an insult, but I promise you it's not. Okay. You, sometimes you just feel like luck is on your side, right? And early in the season, Liverpool had that. If they lost a game in September to City everything could have borne out differently. Their confidence would have been different. Um, you never know what happens from there. Instead, we miss a penalty. And we know from ourselves last season, when Crystal Palace did the same thing to us, they missed a stoppage time penalty. You just feel like you can't get beat. And it permeates the players, the manager, the fan base. Um, and so we'd have to look a bit closer to home. That does not mean that I think Liverpool's season has been built on luck. That's what I mean when I say I'm not sure. disingenuous. But- no, I understand what you're saying. You, need, you make you need your own to... luck, Richard. Yeah, you know, yeah. te- good teams get the rub of the green, as as you would say. And for me, Fulham don't, and because th- they are where they deserve to be, and they don't get these breaks. It usually yeah. goes the other way. It's it's part of being a winning team. So I understand that. But again, I'm I'm probably will never get over that. I just <laughs> had to mention that one more time. But I understand where you're coming from. I'm glad that you brought up all those other situations for Manchester City because during the course of the season you could point to about six or seven probably for any team so I like that you uh you went there my friend all right let's um go through this a little bit and I was going to ask you about weaknesses but I think you already described that that really the only weakness is really backup for Fernandinho if he gets hurt then you've got an issue there because I think it does affect your team so I don't think we need to go there let me just ask you quickly is there anything that we can take from the first time the teams play, because that to me was a huge wake-up call for Fulham because we really got to see that Savisa's system that he believed that he could play it like he did in the championship, that was just reality right in your face, right from the beginning, playing mm-hmm. Manchester City. And you saw a team that wanted to be like Manchester City, to play that beautiful football. That's what, what I think Fulham, Fulham wanted to aspire to be a team that could actually play the game really play that possession style, but you're playing a team that's the master of it. And that to me was just 
a really hard lesson to learn. And I, I think it affected Fulham season from that point on, believe it or not. There were some other matches that I can point to, but I think that was the wake-up call, Richard. What was your view of that match? Yeah, well, I, I did have in mind uh, when I was when I was at that game, I was thinking about the things you said before it, because obviously we spoke about whether Fulham would change the style and you were uh, adamant and, and quite right that they wouldn't attempt to do that at all. And they didn't. Um, that wasn't Vikanovic's style. And, yeah. you know, I've, I have a lot of respect for that and sticking to your principles, but I do think you're right. There was... There was on the day, um, as you know, you look at the table now and, and, and you would predict it, there was a gulf in, in quality. I think that was clear. Yep. Um, but in terms of what you can take away from it, I would also say that for all that there was a difference in quality, individual mistakes killed Fulham that day. Yes, they did. Um, so I, re- I remember um, the first goal. Fulham oh, the first goal was horrible. Yeah. yeah um, I'm trying to remember who gave it away. Um, the midfielder, whose name? Sorry. Yes, sorry. Yes, thank you. Um, he, he gave the ball away and City scored from that. It was quite early on in the game where Fulham had actually, and again, this might sound quite ridiculous, but in the opening minute, Fulham had actually impressed me because they made attempts to get at City. And That's right. They, I, I think I'm remembering rightly in saying that they had an early corner from getting the ball out wide. Yep. And I looked at my dad, who sits next to me, and sort of thought, hang on, is this not going to be quite what we were hoping for today? And <laughs> is this going to go a little bit against the pattern of our normal home game? Yeah, it not changed many very teams, quickly. <laughs> yeah, but not many teams come out on the front foot against City. Yeah. Fulham, to their credit, did. Yeah. And were it not for the individual mistakes, yeah. that would work out a little bit differently. Um Again, I point you to Crystal Palace and Leicester. They are objectively not as good as, as City, but they managed to find something when because they, you know they had the the moments at the right time. Right. So I think yeah, Fulham and, and maybe this would be a lesson across the season. I don't think I'm offering you any incredible insight here. To be fair, but individual mistakes are, are absolutely killer. Well, that's and been throughout the season. So you are pointing out exactly what has happened the entire season. That match is basically, I can point to so many matches that it's been individual error. They're in a match, then they make a mistake. It seems to always be a mistake that they're making, that they're causing themselves. And every single time, it hurts them. And uh, for Fulham from last season, they could get away with that in the championship. You can't do that in the Premier League. And I think it just kept continuing. Each and every week, it seemed like there was that, situation that like you said that individual error maybe not every match but it seems that way that it was every single match even though it wasn't that there'd be at least one of them that would really hurt the team and uh it's just continued to go downward from that point on all right my friend let's get into this let's talk a little bit about form and i just want to get a player that concerns you from form yeah, I, uh, I again, it's probably not going to be the most insightful point you'll ever hear, but I really, really like uh, Mitrovic. I think he's an excellent striker. Uh, I was always a bit disappointed that he, he didn't do better at Newcastle. There was, I think, you know, that wasn't all just about how good a footballer he was. There was there was other things there. He didn't suit the manager and everything. Um, I was really happy when he went to Fulham and, and helped bring them up. Um, and... I think there's been times this season when he has really, really looked the real deal. Um, I think from, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in uh, in Serbian national football or international football, but the flashes I've seen of him internationally is he looks to do all right there as well. He never, oh, looks absolutely, 
Yeah, um, he, he, yeah. He, he never looks out of his depth. No, nope. um, I think he has. He belongs ability. in the Premier League, Richard. Whether it's with Fulham or anyone else, he—that's where he belongs. He's good enough. He is an elite striker. People yeah. might not think so because he's playing for Fulham, but I'm just telling you, I've, I've seen enough of him to make that judgment. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree at all. I think um, he is, I think, stylistically, he is reliant on better service than Fulham give him. And that's not to say that he can only work in the box or, or anything like that, or he's a one-trick pony, because I don't believe he is. But I do think he needs more service up top than than he gets at Fulham, or certainly from what I've seen. Um, but I think, yeah, I think he's a player who could operate at certainly sort of top six level. I really do. Um, and, and, and maybe higher. And I'd love to see him, you know, I'm sure you'd like him to stay, but I'd love to see him remain in the Premier League next season, assuming right. the inevitable sort of comes to pass with Fulham. Um, <laughs> you know, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm laughing, Richard, because I actually called into a show today called Grumpy Pundits. And right. uh, it's actually hosted partially by Rodney Marsh. And I oh, called yeah. in because one of the hosts at the beginning of the season was going all over how much money Fulham have uh, paid for all the players. He didn't think it was worth it. And uh, I basically called in months later to say you were right, you know, to, to this other host, Tom. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I basically said that I think Fulham are in a better situation when they go down because they have sellable assets. And I mentioned Mitrovic, and he's like, well, why would you be better if you are selling your best players? And I, I started to say why I think that they're going to sell Mitrovic, and they hung up on me. Oh, wow. They, they, didn't, like my, they didn't like my answer because wow. I actually think Fulham, again, they need to sell certain players to build a championship side that can get back to the Premier League. Now, would I like Mitrovic to stay? Richard, of course. In fact, I just said this on the last show. If he wanted to stay, would you want him to stay? And, and uh, for me, yes, I'd want him to stay. But you also have to think about the money that they can get from some of these players because they're going to need it in the championship. So it's going to be an interesting situation with him, with Kearney, with Seri, with several players. They are going to be selling players, and uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Anyways, we are short for time, so let's get right to my section of – predictions let's start with your view what does Manchester City need to do to win this match at Craven Cottage um I think they I, I think patience might play a part I'm not convinced that uh with sort of you you know your change of manager uh, I'm not convinced that we're just going to steamroll you as we sometimes do to teams it's a part of the season where City are going to have to manage games very, very well, and where as much as we all love the five, six, no wins that we are capable of dishing out to almost any team, um, and of course that doesn't mean I ever expect them on a game by game basis, but yep. you know the fact is that we we can hurt any team, sure, deeply, um, but we're still pushing on in very, very deep into three competitions, and the Champions League resumes shortly, so we're going to have to manage games in a, a slightly different way now. There's going to be a lot of rotation. Um, again, nobody will have any sympathy if I say that we lose a bit of quality when we rotate three or four players, but you do lose a bit of fluidity sometimes in doing that. Um, Can you rotate um, Fernandinho? That would be nice tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would. I'm sure it would. Um, the Yeah, and you know, in, in games where we do get sort of two or three nil up 
by the hour mark, we might find that we're not pushing on quite as much for the fours, five and sixes, uh, just because we have to we have to manage games a little bit differently for this. We've got 15, potentially, sorry, I shouldn't say we have got. If we were to get to the final of the FA Cup and Champions League, we still have 15 games left to play and, and we want wow. to be in those. So that's potentially a lot of football to play in just two months. Um, so, yeah, I think what City need to do is they might well need to be patient and, and keep probing. I think we can probably reasonably predict that they're going to have the, the lion's share of the ball um, yeah. and it's, you know, stick to their own way and, and, and not lose faith if it takes a little while to get through, uh, if Fulham are uh, a little bit tighter than they were the last couple of times we've played you this season. OK, I'm going to flip it. Let's now put you in the shoes of Scott Parker. Now, Scott Parker is... I think what he's trying to do, he's trying to have some of the ideas of Jokanovic and some of the ideas of Ranieri kind of to find his own system. So I think if you're asking me, I think it's a combination. I think it's more Jokanovic if you're asking me, but he has the players playing for him. They're going to play hard. They're going to play tough. They, again, Liverpool was a close match. Chelsea was a close match. In your eyes, what does Fulham need to do to get all three points? I, I know that's highly unlikely, but how could they upset Manchester City? Well, I think it, it, it's almost a similar thing, um, just in reverse. So it's also a game of patience when you play against City because to to play a football match where you, for the vast majority of it, for 90 minutes, it's hard to get the ball. Um, that requires patience, you know, and, and sticking to a plan. And you have to be pretty rigid with that, I think. Um, it, it's sensible to start against City by trying to be particularly tight at the back. Um, and that isn't always a fun game for players to play. I'm sure it's sure. not how, how most players want to play when you isolate a striker and, and you can't get him into the game as much as he'd want to be, which is you know a tactic that we often see against us. I think it requires a, a strong discipline and uh, motivation to play like that. So that is something that Fulham will need. And then... I think to play against City when you do get the ball, you have to be clinical and you have yeah. to be precise. You have to make very, very good decisions. So it's not just a case of punting the ball up because Emmerich Laporte, John Stones, Vinnie Company will eat those up nine times out of ten um, and, and deal with them. And then before you know it, the ball's at Fernandinho's feet and then it's at Sterling's feet and you sure. potentially conceded a goal, City, are that fast. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. we, we do see that time and again. So you, you have to be ultra precise decisions okay. have to be good it can't just be punting it up you have to have a reason for every ball that you play um okay. and, and without that it's very very hard to get anything against city but teams do so um you know i'm i'm okay. just desperately hoping there isn't a shock <laughs> <laughs> well foam are not clinical so that's a a strike against them they make mistakes that's another strike against them <laughs> hopefully there won't be three strikes we'll see what happens all right, Richard, let's end with your prediction and I'll share mine quickly. Uh, okay, so I am pretty confident of a win. I think form book uh, gives me reason to be so. I think City are well motivated um, yep. and in a very good patch. So I'm going 3-0 City. I'm matching you because I wrote that down. And I'm just going with – I believe that was the score at the Etihad, so I'm going to match yeah. it. I'm going to say 3-0. And anything better than that would be – I guess you could say better, <laughs> uh, you know, I, listen, Fulham at this point need to win every match and that's highly unlikely. And if they were ever to beat city, that could be a boost, but it's uh, 
basically uh, a road to relegation is what Fulham are on. But I want them to give 150%. I expect that against Manchester City. But I think this is a terrible matchup for them. I saw that the first time. And they're just not a team that could sit back and, and take on that pressure. So I think 3-0 is a, a good prediction for both of us. Anyways, Richard, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, well, that's great. Well, you've been a great guest. Been on twice, but it is time to wrap this up. For my guest, Richard Burns, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.